Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to Tiny Vampires, a podcast about disease, science, and blood-sucking insects. A member of the Agora Podcast Network. Episode 24. Do mosquitoes bite each other? I'm Raven, Forrest Ruscalzo, your host. Before we get into the meat of this episode, I just want to put in a plug for the Sound Education Conference. It's on the 3rd of November in Boston, Massachusetts, here in the U.S., so that's this weekend, if you're listening right as soon as this episode comes out. So many of the hosts from the Agora Network are going to be there. Heather Tesco from the Renaissance English History podcast, Xander Snyder from Reconsider, our fearless leader, Royfield Brown, who seemingly does every podcast ever, and even Zach Twomley from When Diplomacy Fails, he's coming all the way from Ireland. So if you decide to come, go ahead and shoot me a message on Twitter or Facebook or even the website. And I would love to meet some listeners while I'm in Boston. This is actually the two-year anniversary episode I want to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart. It has been so thrilling to be an independent podcaster with so much support. I read every email, review, Facebook post that all of you send. It's been a labor of love for both Raquel and I. And if you haven't yet, please take the time to give us some feedback. Let me know if things are going over your head or if I'm taking too much time to explain things that everyone knows, if there's certain topics that you find really interesting or ones that you find painfully boring. We make this podcast for you, so let us know if we're doing a good job for you guys. Speaking of that... I have to start off this episode by letting you know that I made a mistake. Uh, this episode's topic might not be what you are expecting. That's because on both the website and on the last episode, 
I got the question wrong. Alberto Clinton's question wasn't about disease transmission between mosquitoes, but rather if they actually bite each other or not. But just in case you're still wanting to know if they pass diseases between each other, the answer is yes. Uh, Like we learned in last episode, some pathogens can be transmitted from the mother to her eggs. And there's also pathogens that can be sexually transmitted between males and females. Okay, so on to the episode and answering Alberto's actual question. (laughs) Do mosquitoes bite each other? This is such a cool question because I learned so many cool things while researching this. The short answer is yes, they do, but not in the way that you might think. There are carnivorous mosquitoes that eat other mosquitoes. Their scientific name is Toxorhynchites, their common name is elephant mosquito. This is because they're huge compared to other mosquitoes. They can get up to 18 millimeters or 0.71 inches. So if you compare that to a common house mosquito, they are 3.9 millimeters or 0.16 inches. So they're considerably larger. The other reason they're called elephant mosquitoes is because their mouth parts are actually long and curved like an elephant's trunk. These swooping mouth parts mean that they physically can't bite people, even if they wanted to. They could just never get the leverage that they need to pierce the skin. Adult elephant mosquitoes feed on nothing but flower nectar. But wait, I said they're carnivorous? And... In episode 12, I said mosquitoes need fat and protein from blood to make the yolk of their eggs. So here's the coolest thing about elephant mosquitoes. When they're larvae living in stagnant water, they eat other mosquitoes. Instead of having filter-feeding mouth parts that sift random flotsam from the water like other mosquitoes do... They have super strong grasping jaws. When another mosquito swims by, they strike and chew up their unsuspecting prey. They get so much fat and protein from eating these other insects in their larval stage that elephant mosquitoes don't actually need to feed on blood to create their eggs. They carry those fats and proteins over from their larval stage to the adult stage. This allows the adults to live their peaceful existence, feeding on flower nectar like butterflies. As larvae, these guys are surprisingly vicious. In the review paper about them, there's actually an entire section titled Cannibalism and Compulsive Killing. They seem to be just as ready to eat each other as any other insect in the water with them. They even manage to capture adult insects that come to the water to deposit their eggs. Elephant mosquito larvae can kill up to 5,000 small or 300 large blood-feeding mosquito larvae, if that's all they're eating. Elephant mosquito larvae are known for killing and then abandoning their prey, 
especially when they're older and just about to pupate. Mosquito pupae of any species are pretty mobile. They have finned tails that they use to swim around. But they're pretty helpless other than that. The going hypothesis as to why elephant mosquitoes readily kill even when they're not hungry is that they're getting rid of anything in their habitat that might be dangerous to them once they're in this vulnerable state. After their pupil stage, they emerge as adults. They're incredibly beautiful with metallic greens, blues, and golds all over their body. You can see this and their curved mouth parts in the image for this episode. The females can lay their eggs just about any time because they don't have to worry about finding a blood meal first. They do, however, have to worry about their babies eating each other. So they lay a few eggs here and a few eggs there in whatever habitats they can find. They do this by hovering over the water and throwing their eggs in. It's a pretty smart strategy when you think that other elephant mosquitoes larvae might be in there just waiting to munch on an adult that comes by to lay their eggs. If you haven't noticed by now, these are my absolute favorite mosquitoes. They wantonly kill the blood-sucking kind when they are young and are completely harmless beauties when they're adults. When I was first introduced to them, my first reaction was, why don't we use them to our advantage? Fight mosquitoes with mosquitoes by using them as mosquito control agents. That's what our paper is about today. It's called Field Studies on the Introduction of the Mosquito Predator Toxobronchitis amblyoensis into Fiji by Tuhei et al. back in 1985. It was a pretty international effort between Canadian, Fijian, New Zealand, and Japanese research institutions. The idea was that they would release a species of elephant mosquito onto the island of Fiji, where they're not native. The blood-feeding mosquitoes would have no natural defenses against them, and their populations would crash, along with any diseases that they're carrying. After researching previous unsuccessful releases of elephant mosquitoes in eastern Samoa and Tahiti, they figured out that they needed to match up the mosquito they wanted to kill with the species of elephant mosquito they wanted to use to kill it. The mosquitoes had to lay their eggs in the same habitat. They chose Toxorhynchides amblyonensis, which is pretty cool because I actually used to raise these guys in our lab at Notre Dame. Before they released the elephant mosquitoes, they needed to get an accurate count of the blood-feeding mosquitoes in the area and find out where they were laying their eggs. They found both Culix and Aedes species. Both of these are known for transmitting diseases to humans. There were two research sites. One was a small, mostly uninhabited island called Yunuka, and the other was a village called Waiaku on the same island as the capital. The researchers created perfect mosquito larvae habitat by hanging up tin cans and old tires half full of water. Many of the mosquitoes that transmit disease have an affinity for laying their eggs in trash. It's their way of adapting to living with and feeding on humans. 
So these are the mosquitoes that are the most important to control because they're the ones that are biting people. This is why it's really important to check that you don't have any standing water around your house. The researchers released elephant mosquitoes twice a week for 10 months. A total of 3,094 mosquitoes in Wailoku Village and 720 on the Yanoka Island. Then they started checking the larval habitats that they set out. They wanted to know two things. If the elephant mosquitoes were breeding in these containers, and if the number of blood-feeding mosquito larvae in these containers was actually going down. After 14 months of checking the larval habitat, the results were in. In the village, the tin cans and tires had had plenty of blood-sucking mosquitoes, but no elephant mosquitoes. On Yanuka Island, there was more success. The number of blood-sucking mosquito larvae went down by 22% in the tin cans and 63% in the tires. The researchers thought that this data made a good case for using elephant mosquitoes for mosquito control. But I and other entomologists take issue with this assessment. First, I have a big issue with releasing non-native species without running any trials on how they're going to affect the local ecosystem. I think maybe in the 80s, they cared less about invasive species. Most biological control agents, animals or plants used to control the population of a pest species, are highly specific to that pest. We just learned that elephant mosquitoes will kill anything in or on their water, even if they're not hungry. Another issue I have with their conclusion is that the elephant mosquitoes only flourished in an area with very few people around. Towns and villages are the areas that need the most protection from mosquito-borne disease. There's really no point in killing off mosquitoes that are never going to bite people. I'm going to post this episode on Facebook and Twitter. Let me know what you think by commenting on the episode. The Fiji Ministry of Health funded this study. When I was doing research for this episode, I found out about something really cool. Alberto wanted to know if mosquitoes bite each other. I'm guessing what he meant was one adult mosquito biting another, in the same way that they bite humans. This doesn't happen, but a relative of mosquitoes does just that. They are biting midges called Culicoides anophilus. Incredibly, they seek out mosquitoes that have just had a blood meal and latch on sucking the blood right out of a mosquito's gut. They latch on for some time, so in a way they're acting more like a tick than a mosquito. And they are huge for a parasite. They're about an eighth of the size of a mosquito, which is like a person having a tick the size of a cat on them. These midges are pretty rare, but some Chinese medical entomologists managed to capture a mosquito with one of these guys still attached. 
I'll post the video on Facebook and Twitter. It's really interesting because when the midge has had its fill, it has a really hard time uncorking its mouth from the side of the mosquito. It's likely that they have super strong mouth parts that help the midge stay attached to the mosquito when it's flying around. Next month, in episode 25, I'm going to be answering a question that I'm kind of surprised I haven't covered yet. Dan Campbell wants to know, why do mosquitoes bite some people more than others? I think this is the second most common question that I get when I tell people that I study mosquitoes. It's only beaten out by, why don't we just kill them all? which I answered in episode 2. And speaking of episode 2, Raquel is actually going back and translating some of the older episodes into Spanish. So, um, so Tiny Vampires Español is actually going to have two episodes coming out this month. Episode 24 that you just listened to, and then the Spanish version of episode 2. October's Agora Podcast of the Month is Agoraphobia, our twist on Halloween. I did a really fun little fiction about a flea's perspective on the Black Death. I had a lot of fun writing it, and there was a lot of research that went into it, so I really hope that you guys check it out. Please let your friends and family know about Tiny Vampires in English or Spanish, and let us know what you think of the work that we've done over the past two years. It would really, really mean a lot. Thank you for listening. From me, Raven Forrest Frescalzo. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.